Hello, Assembly of God Christian Center. My name is Guy Miller, and it's my privilege to be able to share the Word with Word of God with you on this Good Friday. Now, um, you know, I was slated to come up and preach at your church for Passion Week, uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday, but then, of course, all this happened, and so now I am coming to you uh, virtually. And so I really want to thank you for listening. I know it's awkward uh, for you probably to be having church in front of uh, your phone or your computer. To be honest, it's a little it's a little awkward for me preaching into my phone, but um, I'm going to trust that uh, this message will be a blessing to you. So again, my name is Guy Miller, and my wife and I really uh, had hoped to have the privilege of being there live with you. Um, Tom is actually working right now. She works at Salem Hospital at the uh, Adolescent Psychiatric Ward. So if you could keep her in your prayers, I would really appreciate that because um, she's right there on the front line of all this. And speaking of COVID-19 and all this, how are, you, how are you doing? I hope you're healthy. Um, how are you adjusting to social distancing and, and all that? I, so it's, uh, it's quite a change, isn't it? Um, it's really affected all of us and the way we live our lives and the things we take for granted. I hope you're doing okay. And before this message is done today, we're going to have a word of prayer together. You know, COVID-19 offers us uh, opportunities to really do things as a body of believers that maybe, maybe we weren't doing before. And that is maybe to, uh, to be a little more aware of what's going on around us in our communities. And I pray for uh, for you and your church during this time that God's compassion and wisdom and mercy and grace will will be with you. I want to encourage you to keep connecting with one another. I know you can't be with each other physically and hang out with each other, but you can call, you can text, you can IM, you can Facebook, you can email, you can do a lot of other things too. Stay connected, okay? Make sure no one's I know we have to be isolated, but make sure no one's isolated. Um, be sure to reach out to folks. And I want to encourage you, and no one, no one uh, asked me to say this, but I've been a pastor for 30 years, so I just want to tell you this. You be sure and keep tithing, okay? Uh, I'm honestly not sure if your website has online giving or not. I should have checked, but uh, you can always write a check and put it in the mail. If you really want to get the church your money, then I'm sure there you'll find a way. And so please continue to uh, support uh, your, your church during this time. So I'm in the midst of a sermon series, like I said, three, three sermons. Um, the theme of the entire sermon series is that I want to help you build a healthy relationship with God that is based on long-term satisfaction, not instant gratification. Long-term satisfaction and not instant gratification. Now, this message here is a little different. It's going to be a little bit more of a, of a Bible study um, than, a, than a sermon. Uh, for, my ser for my message on Easter, it's going to look and you know, feel a little bit more like a uh, sermon. I'm going to go back to my former church and record myself preaching there on Easter Sunday. I hope you listen to that. Um, I want to talk to you about hope is a seed sown in adversity and uncertainty. And we don't need to be afraid of uncertainty and adversity because that's where hope lives. And that's going to be my Easter message. But here we are on this Good Friday. 
And like I said, it's going to be a little bit more of a Bible study. If you want to press pause on this, uh, assume you're watching this on YouTube, you can press pause, go grab your Bible. And uh, hey, you know, the way things are these days, you can grab yourself a cup of coffee or something and uh, just enjoy the Word of God together here today. But I do want to pray with you. Uh, at the end of the message, we're going to pray uh, more specifically about um, response to this message. But right now, I just want to ask God's uh, anointing and blessing on this message. And so, Heavenly Father, I just thank you that your Holy Spirit is so creative that this kind of sermon that we're all a little unused to, it's it doesn't intimidate you at all. And Holy Spirit, I believe that you can touch me as I preach and every person who's listening to this, Lord God. Right now, we just want to um, relax and find ourselves in your presence and ask your Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word on this Good Friday, 2020. And Lord, I just pray right now that you'd open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to what the word of God and the spirit of God would have to say to us today. Amen. So I'm a big sports fan, and uh, a regular occurrence in sports, I guess m more so is like football would be one that, uh, the sport that this happens more often than not, but there's this thing called the Hail Mary, right? And, and you know the scenario, it's uh, the fourth quarter, there's maybe 10 seconds left, and the team is down by a touchdown or something, and the only resort they have is to throw this 40, 50, 60, 70 yard bomb downfield and hope that somebody in the end zone catches it. Uh, somebody on their team catches it and they win the game. You know, that's called the Hail Mary pass. And that happens pretty regularly in football. Uh, it's a last ditch effort, right? It's kind of like, well, we tried everything else, it didn't work, and so now we're just gonna heave it down the field and hope that it works. Well. Uh, being a in, living in the Boston area, of course, Doug Flutie comes to mind with Boston College and his Hail Mary, and and wow, wasn't that famous? And that's actually an occasion that it worked. Most of the time, they don't work, right? Um, but still, sometimes at the end of the game, it just comes down to the Hail Mary pass, and like I said, usually that doesn't work. Well, that is an act of desperation. And sometimes it might feel that our relationship with God, specifically our prayers, might feel like an act of desperation. Maybe we feel like our prayers are, are throwing Hail Marys. Now listen, uh, I was born and raised in the Catholic Church and spent the first 16 years of my life there. Went through all the communion and CCD and all that. And uh, so I'm not talking about the Hail Mary prayer that Catholics pray. Um, while I personally don't find it uh, substantiated in the Bible to pray to Mary, I am not uh, knocking or making fun of uh, any Catholics who might be listening to this. I'm not uh, um, criticizing your prayer life. But when I'm talking about sometimes our prayers feel like a Hail Mary, I'm talking about maybe it just feels like that last heave pass um, and not the prayer that some people pray. And so maybe sometimes we feel that our prayers are an act of desperation. You know, uh, tried everything else uh, at a last-ditch effort. Well, we might as well pray. You know, we tried to fix it with our money. We tried to fix it with our smarts. We tried to fix it with our talents and gifts. And we tried to get our friends. And, 
as a last ditch, last ditch effort, well, we might as well see if God can do something, right? Uh, that's like the Hail Mary, and kind of like, might as well try. And a lot of people base their whole um, religion, their whole faith, on that kind of prayer life. We've probably all have done that at one point in time, haven't we? We've, we felt that our prayers have, have been that, that Hail Mary, an act of desperation. Now, before I go any further, in a moment, we're going we're gonna to look at Psalm 22 together. But I want to say this. As we go through the rest of this message, that what I'm not saying is that God doesn't answer desperate prayers. And I am not, I'm not putting God in a box and say that he cannot and will not answer, you know, Hail Mary prayers, last ditch effort, desperation prayers. God has answered more of them, those prayers than I'm sure any of us could, could ever know. So I'm not saying that God can't or won't answer desperation prayers. But if that's your lifestyle of prayer, if that's the only way you pray, chances are that can, that, that kind of a religion can get very old, um, very discouraging, because that's not the way that God wants our, our walk with him to be. See, that's based on instant gratification. And again, sometimes God answers those prayers, doesn't he? Where it's just last-ditch last effort. God help, and he does. But we're talking about long-term satisfaction. We're talking about long obedience in the same direction. And we're talking about some good news today. Uh, I hope it's okay I give you some good news. The good news today is that divine rescue does happen. Amen? But I think that we will find that divine rescue happens more often as a result of trust than desperation. Can we read Psalm 22 together? As we read through this, you're going to recognize some of this, uh, um, or rather, you're going to see why I picked this psalm. It's a psalm of Good Friday, and you'll recognize some of the verses in here that will be appropriate to uh, Jesus dying on the cross. We're going to read through the entire psalm today and spend a little bit, little bit more time digging into the Word in this message, uh, because Psalm 22 is just so full of, uh, of inspiration for us today and, 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 and full of hope and full of trust because that's what Good Friday is, is about, hope and trust. You might say, well, I thought that came on, on Sunday, Easter Sunday. Well, it does. And we're going to talk about hope. You know, hope is a seed sown in adversity and uncertainty. So don't be afraid of uncertainty and, um, because that's where hope lives. But Good Friday points to that as well. So we're going to read Psalm 22, and we're going to read it for what it is and what it meant to the person writing it. We're going to read it for what it can, how it can inspire us. But there's another layer to the Psalms, if you're not familiar with, that maybe I could open your eyes to today. And that is the Psalms are just so beautifully and wonderfully fulfilled in Christ and point to Christ. And so we're going to read this uh, with, with several different uh, uh, filters on our, on our eyes today. So here we go. Let's just jump right into it. Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, right off the bat, 
we know that Jesus said this on the cross, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Clearly, right out of Psalm 22. And why not? Because like, like every Jew at the time, and certainly Christ, uh, would have lived in the Psalms, would have prayed the Psalms regularly every day on every occasion. Now you might say, well, Jesus, you know, he's God. Of course he knows the Bible. Well, but as a man, as a human being, he would have also just been constantly in the Psalms. And when you read the gospel, or rather, when you read the Psalms, and read through them two, three, four, five, six times, and then start reading the Gospels, you will begin to see just how often Christ alludes to the Psalms. So when Christ is dying on the cross for you and me, he quotes Psalm 22 and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, here, here's another, um, here's, here's something else I want to uh, help you to understand is that Jesus was obviously quoting this exact verse, but Here's what it would do. When, when he mentioned this verse of this psalm, what Jesus is actually doing is recalling the entirety of the psalm. Because the Jew reading that and, 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 and understanding verse 1 of Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, would have been drawn to the entire psalm. L let me illustrate what I mean. It would be better to, to give you an example. Uh, for many of us, probably but 20, 25 or older, if I was to say the words 9-11 to you, that could be just two numbers, 9-11, but we know that that has a lot more meaning to it, doesn't it? 9-11 brings to mind what? It brings to mind war on terrorism. It brings to mind planes crashing into the, the twin trade towers. It brings to mind hijacking. It brings to mind um, all that it did for travel, traveling by plane. It literally changed our country. And so if I was to, in conversation, say something to you and I would mention 9-11, you wouldn't just think, oh, that's why we take our shoes off at the airport. Or you wouldn't just think uh, uh, the trade towers. A, a whole bunch of everything would come to my mind just by saying that. And so when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not just pointing us to that verse. He's pointing us to the entire psalm. Beautiful thing. And that happens a lot in the Bible. When the New Testament quotes the Old Testament, they're not just calling to mind one verse, but they're calling to mind the entire story around it. So let's continue. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. When I'm reading through the Psalms, um, really any part of the Bible, I often circle words that are mentioned so many times, and, and the word trusted there is obviously something that the psalmist is wanting to get through to us. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by people. Now, just that phrase, despised by people, hopefully, if you're familiar with Isaiah 53, that will come to mind. He was despised and rejected by men. 
All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him. For he delights in him. They're mocking him. Well, what did the soldiers do for Jesus? Did they not put something over his head and punch him, pull his beard and say, if you're God, prophesy who did that? It's right here in Psalm 22. Yet you are he who took me from the womb and made me to trust, there it is again, at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from birth and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me for trouble is near and there is none to help. Many bulls compass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open their mouths at me like, like, like a raving and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All of my bones are out of joint. Can't you picture Christ on the cross? My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoer encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Well, of course, this is exactly what happened in the crucifixion of Christ. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. Now, I want to say right there, you're probably reading that, being like, Pastor Guy, what's up with all the pets and the animals and stuff? Is, is, are we supposed to be afraid of animals? Is, was, was Jesus delusional? What's it? Well, most commentators would agree that these bulls and lions and wild dogs and and um, a horde of wild oxen, that they certainly represent evil men, but they also represent demonic spirits. There's actually a lot of references to this kind of thing in the Old Testament. Because again, they didn't have the full understanding that we did of the spiritual realm that has now been uh, open to us in the New Testament. And so most likely here, this is referring to certainly evil men, but also to evil spirits. Now, so, so far right now, uh, the psalmist and also Jesus is saying, God, why have you forsaken me? They pierced me. You're nowhere to be found. Why aren't you helping me? I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred you the affliction of the afflicted and he has not hidden his face from you and but he has heard when he cried to him from you comes my praise in the great congregation my vows i will perform before those who fear him the afflicted shall eat and be satisfied and those who seek him shall praise the lord amen May your hearts live forevermore. All the ends of the earth shall remember to turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Amen. This is a different, if we were in a, if we were in a symphony, this is a different 
from uh, this is a this is a different uh, sound than than the maybe the minor movement and now we're in this crescendo of of major chords and now it's a different sound and it's, and it's triumphant where it talks about that kingship belongs to the Lord and He will rule the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship and bow before Him. Bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Prosper. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn that he has done it. So again, I read this because somebody, a real human person, wrote this in regards to their own situation. They felt abandoned by God, that God was not there to help them. But this was also, I believe, what Jesus had in mind as he was going through the torture of the cross. And on this Good Friday, we need to read Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Several times, they pierced Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men. And on the cross, he indeed did cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so you might think that that was a prayer of desperation. You might think that that, that was a Hail Mary pass. That was a last-ditch effort. Like maybe Jesus was on the cross and he was thinking, man, maybe this was a mistake. Maybe, maybe you're thinking that God's forsaken me, that this is an act of desperation, but no. Friend, no. This was not a Hail Mary pass. This was, he was asking for divine rescue because he trusts in the Lord. The feelings of separation from God were very real. And Jesus was not simply going through the motions as if he didn't feel any pain on the cross and he was just doing it for show. No, he felt the rejection of men and the separation from God. But he never lost trust. He never lost trust. And so I want you today to notice in this Psalm 22, which candidly and honestly speaks of, of this feeling of, of separation from God. And why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you doing anything? But I want you to note the inclusion of trust today. That, Je that Jesus on the cross and you and I today, it's okay that we feel fear. It's okay that we, we can express to God that, God, it seems like you've forsaken me. Certainly in the midst of what we're going through now, we could say, God, where are you? But it's important for us as, as fellow believers not to lose our trust in God. Amen? Not to lose our trust. Well, have you ever felt, have you ever felt abandoned by God? Maybe you felt exactly what uh, Jesus was going through on the cross. Maybe just, pray, maybe just feel that your prayers aren't going past the ceiling. And I want you to know today, and again, as we, as we bring this home and apply it to our lives, that in the midst of everything that's going on and, and in your life right now, I just want to speak to your heart that, that God is not going to turn his back on you if you have a moment of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not going to hate you. He's not going to close his ears. 
the important thing we want to remember today is just not to go from crisis to crisis, from desperation to desperation, from Hail Mary to Hail Mary to last-ditch effort. Well, I've tried everything else. Might as well pray. And maybe God gets us out of that or maybe not. We just kind of live through it. We want to get beyond the point of just going from crisis to crisis, desperation to desperation, and get to a point where we can actually be confident in divine rescue because we have a pattern of trust. It's even through the difficult times, we are trusting God. This is what Psalm 22 encourages us to do. This is what uh, the very crucifixion of Christ encourages us to do. As he was on the cross for us, he never lost trust. His statement of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was not, a, was not a, a, a statement of, I don't trust you anymore, God. He was bringing the entire psalm to mind, where even what he was saying was, it, God, it sure feels, uh, this sure hurts, and this is horrible, and I don't like this, I don't like the situation I'm in, but as always, even now, I'm going to trust you. I think we can all relate to that today, amen? We can all relate to that. Again, we're talking about a healthy relationship with God based on long-term satisfaction and a long obedience in the same direction. And a relationship that is built on trust and not desperation. And again, I'm not discouraging you from praying desperation prayers, but what I'm saying is there's a healthier, stronger life that we can have that is based on trust in God. So what if we all learn to trust in God as a matter of habit and not desperation? What if, it, what if it became second nature for us to trust in God? I think that we would find a much more balanced and stable and victorious walk with God. And beyond that, I believe that our friends up there in Virgins and here where I am in Salem, Massachusetts, our community would see that. Your coworkers, your classmates, your family members will see you not desperation to desperation, constantly lobbing up Hail Mary passes, but they'll just see a, a woman, they'll see a man, they'll see a teenager. I believe there's a teenager listening to this right now and God's speaking to your life and he's saying, I want you just to trust me every day. And one day you do it and tomorrow will be a little easier. And the day after that, it'll be a little easier. Hard times are going to still come. Challenges and adversity and uncertainty, they'll still be there. But your trust will become a habit and second nature, and you'll grow through it. And we'll be better. Our friends will be better. Our coworkers, our family, and our community will be better off if we're trusting God and believing in him to come through because he loves us and delights in us. So I want to close in prayer for you today, and I want to, if you're, if you're there with um, your spouse or your family, or if you're with someone, just grab their hand, and we can pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now on this Good Friday, and Jesus, we want to take a moment just to reflect on your brutal, horrible, bloody, painful death where you felt that separation from God, you took our sin to be upon you. You who knew no sin became sin for us 
so that we might become the righteousness of God, that God could look at us as if we'd never sinned. That blows my mind. But that's what you did for me, and that's what you did for everyone who's listening. And so, Lord, we confess our sins to you. We confess because we know that that's why you died on the cross. So we're not going to keep our sins. We're not going to keep the guilt. But, Lord, we're going to confess. We're going to ask for your mercy and grace to forgive us. Because you are faithful and just to forgive us if we'll confess our sins to you. And, Lord, if there's someone sitting here or watching this today, and they've never received Christ as Lord and Savior. They've never put their trust in Christ. I would pray that right now that they could say a prayer and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you today. I put my life in your hands today. I give my life to you. I surrender. Lord, I pray for that person right now that your Holy Spirit is just making them to be a child of God. Lord, many of us are scared and uncertain in this COVID-19 pandemic that we're going through. Those, those of us maybe that are all alone for long periods of time might feel isolated from you or from others. Encourage that person, Lord. Let there be hope there. We don't have to be a desperate people, but we can still be a people of hope. And let there be, let hope spread just like this virus has spread, let hope spread from person to person. For hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Bless Assembly of God Christian Center. Bless them with a mighty move of your Holy Spirit even during this time, Lord God. Bring them together today. And we look forward to rejoicing with you on Easter Sunday. Amen. If you... Uh, listen to this and accepted Christ as Savior for the first time, uh, please get in touch with someone at Assembly of God Christian Center and they'll let you know what to do next. Um, so God bless you. Thanks for listening and see you on Easter Sunday.